morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever or whenever you are tuning into today's podcast. Joining me today, I have Ed Tranter, Managing Director at 73 Media. And if you don't know that name, then where have you been? Um, Ed's a great industry spokesperson, someone who's, who's seen it all. And, and I've been to his presentations as well. And I must say, very inspiring in terms of him telling it warts and all. Um, I've invited Ed on today because he has a very interesting story to tell in his own experience of getting thrust upon in the pandemic and having to reinvent, I would say, the offering that he was gonna put out to the industry in terms of events. He is the founder of The Rugby Show, um, which I'd love Ed to introduce that because I'll probably butcher it, I think. Um, but Ed didn't just replicate The Rugby Show online, he thought up of something totally new and deliver it to, delivered it to great success. So, Ed, welcome to today's podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, I, would have, I would have much rather done this in person over a beer, I must admit. <laughs> well, me too. Well, we can, we, can, uh, we can have the beer later, but uh, have the chat now. So, yes, um, uh, as you say, it's very kind of you. Um, I'm the managing director of 73 Media, and as you can see in the background, I like rugby. Just it's just, it's almost like I don't just change the props in the background depending on who I'm speaking to. I also run the One Earth show, so I don't have loads of sustainability and recyclable stuff in the background when I'm having calls on that. But um, yeah, so the rugby show um, was planned as a physical event. It was mm -hmm. a B2C exhibition. Um, the whole purpose of it was to champion grassroots rugby, to engage clubs, to engage fans. We called it for the players, for the fans, for the game. And it was about a celebration. So we had the, the original premise was a physical event. We were going to have an actual half pitch built on the show floor. Clubs could come along and there'd be training sessions on fitness, injury recovery. Yep. Um, all of the stands are, are based around products that can help you improve your game, improve your grassroots club, um, learn about different ways to improve your technique. We had premiership stars and internationals. I mean, we had competitions for... George Cruz was going to, um, uh, if, you're not, if you're watching this and you don't know who he is, he was in the World Cup final for England. He's about to go to Japan. He's a British lion, plays for Saracens currently, but it's just leaving. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he was going to do a competition for us where a grassroots club would win a line-out training session where he would do it live on the show floor for your club. Other people could watch it. We had Joe Marler involved, James Haskell, um, Sarah Hunter, who's the captain of the England Red Roses. We had all these different things lined up for physical, practical, you know, involved bringing the community together. And then, and then COVID-19 <laughs> moved into view. And, um, and initially, I must admit, initially, I, because of the way that press reported it and everything else, it seemed like, well, what is it? So it's like some sort of flu, is it? Turned out not so much, no, and and everything came to a grinding halt. So we were we were a few months out. We had thousands of people registered. Everything was great, um, and then it wasn't. And it was clear we weren't going to be able to physically run the event. You know, when, when, was, when was that for you? Then that point, Ed. When do, when would you say was the date that you went? This is um, going to work. Where we call we called it relatively early in the interest of the venue, in the interest of exhibitors, partners, mm -hmm. and everything else, um, we had tied up this amazing partnership with Reach PLC. So we had um, 
partnership with every single regional newspaper practically in the country right. from Manchester Evening News, you know, Birmingham News, Coventry Telegraph, uh, Wales Online, all supporting it. And, and I said, you know, the more we push information out to get people to attend, the more disappointed people are going to have because you could see this isn't going to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah. There was no indication at all. So with with about three and a half months to go. So bear in mind, the event was end of June, early July. So um, I called it, you know, three months before that, really. Um, and and so it proved. And then, um, you know, when we were chatting before we, we went live, you were talking about, you know, I can cl claim I'm a virtual event expert. <laughs> to be honest with you, virtual events had been, before all this started, if I'm honest, virtual events to me was, you mean a webinar? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I think you know I'm, I I do I do large scale events. I've done them all over the world. I've run events in 44 countries on five continents. And in that time, physical events has been the thing. We've done some virtual link ups to make things you know work where speakers have fallen through or whatever. But physical events. And so um, so once we stopped the show, um, I started looking at with the team. We started looking at okay what are all these options you know there are everyone's talking about it um i got uh, involved in a in a whatsapp group which is i know you're on as well yep. with loads of people who seem to be doing a million of these things a week <laughs> that uh, that uh, that are you know generating audience in the, in the trillions and 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 revenue in the billions and i was just like well, what the hell have i been playing at <laughs> i've been doing all this stuff for years and years and years maybe i could save my hair if i'd had this stress-free virtual stuff available to me so um so anyway we we looked at loads of different platforms and and we you know went through how they all work and there were so many of them springing up and and in fact the platform we ended up using Hopin, which worked really really well for us but what was really interesting is I was talking to them and, and originally the Hopin platform wasn't due to actually launch until this month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. an actual product. Yeah. And they were like, quick, get it out. And it's been, it's been evolving how I imagine Formula One teams do, where there's a complete revolution every week of yeah. how everything yeah. works. But there's a lot, you know, it's a bit like Betamax and VHS. You go through all these different things and you look at stuff and go, oh, that's going to work, that's going to work, that's going to work. But... Um, we just did a lot and lot of research and I wanted to be really confident because at the time I just said, when we're just not going to do the show till next year. We've moved the whole thing back a year. And that's what we told everybody. It's what we told the exhibitors. It's what we told the attendees. We told right. everyone, Okay. you know, through no fault of our own, you know, you just look out the window, you can see what's going on. We're going to move it a whole year. Um, and then finally I was convinced with the virtual models. I wanted us to do tests for ourselves. I wanted to go through everything else. And so then, um, and I wanted to make it a community thing, so engage, but I, I, I couldn't get my head around trying to replicate what I've just explained to you as the physical event yeah. in the virtual environment. So we kind of changed the whole thing really, where everything obviously was about content, everything was about engagement and learning and training and doing, but it was all done in sessions. And I based it because Everybody that knows me in the industry knows I like a bit of rock music, and a bit of like a guitar. So I kind of based the model on Glastonbury. Okay. So the idea Small was you had different them. stages, you build it all up, and then you have your main acts that you can build up to at the end of each day. Um, and that was kind of my model for it and get everyone to be engaged. I wanted to work with a partner and I wanted to do some good with it. And <laughs> partly, to be honest with you, partly I just wanted to do an event. 
I was just, <laughs> I was getting stir crazy with not having done one. Um, I thought it'd be good for the team. I thought it would be good for the brand and in terms of engagement. And I thought if we could do some good with it. So we approached, um, I, I phoned up Lawrence Delalio, who, um, whose charity Delalio Rugby Works works with um, kids that are kind of permanently excluded in schools and so okay. desperately in need of help. And of course, most charities raise their funding through large events and none of them are running any. So I said to him, right, I know we were going to support you and give you a percentage of the profits for, um, for the physical event. I propose we do the same thing. We're going to do it virtually and we're going to do it in five weeks time. What do you reckon? And so he, um, he didn't respond. I, I, I wondered if the screen had frozen initially, which does happen in Zoom. I live in the countryside. Anything yep. can happen. Yep. But no, I think he was just like, well, okay, talk me through it again. And then he had a bit of a mull and said, no, this is really great. And so we kind of pulled our little black books of rugby players. I won't lie, his is better than mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and we went for it. And once we got the platform, got them engaged and everything else, we had about two and a half to three weeks to bring together all of the content. And we had just over two weeks to market the event from scratch, That's having amazing. told everyone we weren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, and and that's what we delivered. And in the end, it was two and a half days we did it for. We started on the Friday, then all day Saturday, all day Sunday, from 9 a.m. till about 8 p.m. We had content running continuously on more on two stages. So you we went, had 63 you went, speakers. You went all live. You went all live. 95% live. Wow. So you could? Did you? Did your team do that? all on your own or did you we, bring we, partners in and stuff How did oh that man so we were going to we were going to i like i've got this kind of death or glory kind of kind yeah. of approach to things it was like you know should we do a virtual event why not right okay well if we start about well this big yeah okay let's go, <laughs> let's go. um so actually no we were going to do it ourselves um and you know i guess anyone watching this thing will also be amazed that mike seaman and i are not a, not in lockdown together <laughs> because we always seem to be side by side on everything and it's uh, you know i mean when exhibition news will cover it when we do finally elope but at the moment um so mike had already run his digital running show for yeah. his event that had been moved um and he'd uh, and obviously i knew simon and the team at silverstream from working with them on yeah, physical events yeah, yeah, yeah. and he said you know i've used them and i spoke to simon we talked through um Mark's director went through it with all all with him and um and we got them in to do all the production. And I have to be honest, I am so glad that we did. Because, I don't know, I think having not done it to that scale, a virtual event is no joke. It's yeah. no less stressful. It's no less involved than a physical event in terms of, you know, we were sat there, we were having things, you know, you know, as you said, I'm quite honest, there are things that went wrong that probably didn't look like they went wrong on the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thing and issues we have with minutes to go we had speakers drop out or technical issues with speakers with 10 minutes notice or an hour's notice and it's all live and you're going ah um but having them in your ear and saying and we're coming to you in five four three and then i'm going hi and welcome to the virtual rugby show and that to me is where 
it's worth investing, isn't it, in terms of not only having somebody there support you from a technical aspect of, of that, the show calling, right? It's like the, the whole production element of it, the stitching it's it all huge, together. It's a huge task. Um, but also, I, just, I guess somebody else there just to, you know, you've got to fall back on somebody. It's, it's not you pressing the button and getting the next speaker in. and like Because like you say, you've got probably a million and one other things that you would have to do anyway, like just like a physical event. Mm. And I think that's the way that a lot of professional organizers like yourself will end up going the same that they would never imagine running the AV at a physical event, would they? They're just, you just like get the professionals in, let them yeah, do yeah. it. I'll just be there, um, sat at the back, going, "Don't worry, Aztec, I've got this." <laughs> I think it's this one, is it? Bear with, bear with. <laughs> I'd probably unplug, unplug the wrong HDMI lead and take the whole lot out, mate. Personally, they keep me well or well away from it. Um, so yeah, so so ninety-five percent live. I think smart move bringing in a professional company like Silverstream, who clearly know what they're doing. They're a really well-respected name in the sector for delivering that high-end video live i mean that's what they do at, at live events it isn't is. it they actually produce live events they've had to pivot too so we were you know in your pivot 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 pivot, 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 pivot yeah. on the back wall but they you know they're in the same position they can't physically do events at the moment yeah. you know i mean hopefully we're now getting to a point where we can do but but they've been sat there waiting to do the things that they're so so good at and they're saying well hang on how can that translate how can we add benefit elsewhere and it was really only a matter of a couple of weeks before i believe um, forgive me, Simon, if I'm not exactly right on the dates, but it was a matter of a very short period of time between when, when you know, Raccoon and, and we got involved with them to do these things that they'd actually made the move and transitioned over to be able to offer those services. And, and it, as you say, it's having, that, it's having that level of professionalism. In my case, I was dealing with <clears throat> 63 speakers and we did it across multiple stages We'd got them all together, really, really short notice, and the people we got were as what it was one. It was described to one person that wrote to me afterwards that attended the event that it was like the Avengers Assemble of rugby. <laughs> so, so we had. Um, I mean, some of the WhatsApp groups I'm now on are insane because I mean, to be fair, I don't think they'd want to hear from me now. But but we did these WhatsApp groups for every single panel because everybody wanted to hear in WhatsApp. What we discovered was sending them emails and huge you know really detailed and thorough housekeeping and everything else and they're going um have you read the email what email mm. excellent okay so we ended up doing most of it through whatsapp because it was the only way that half the speakers would communicate and we would put each panel in a specific whatsapp group so any questions about what they're doing we would clear them off as sections that's and a so great one piece of, the... of advice that there mate because i think as as event organizers we we tend to rely so heavily, don't we, on email? And and we kind of think maybe that, or at least I would, my opinion would be, maybe WhatsApp's a bit intrusive. But when it comes to making sure that actually people get information that is important to you, and they can leave and delete afterwards. Yeah. They don't have to stay in it. But that's a great tip there that I think I might take away for our event in terms of speaker comms. Because, well, for one, you can check the Reddit, can't you, for a, for a yeah. start. But um, also from panels, the great thing about the panel stuff was that we would put the host and all the panels in each group and me. So I would then say, right, and I would do an intro thing, add them all in and say, right, guys, here you are. This is your panel. If you've got any questions or queries about the content that's going to be covered, the host is this person and they're on it. If you've got any technical queries, it's me. And then also I would then send, for example, when, when it comes to their session, if we've done tiles or marketing for it, I would then add that into the group saying, 
could you please put this all out on all of your social media? And then what also happens is one of them comes back and says, I've done it. And the other three go, oh, bloody hell, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, go away and do it. And, and, but it, in some cases, we had nothing within them other than a thumbs up or no problem. In other cases, they started a real debate with each other about what they were going to talk about to make the co content really strong That's in a way that never would have happened actually previously. So it kind of worked really well. But the, um, so I was, I'm in a British Lions. Um, so we did a British Lions as the headline act for the, for the Saturday. So I'm, I'm in a WhatsApp group with me, Martin Bayfield, Martin Johnson, Brian O'Driscoll and Sam Warburton. Uh, I feel group. like this was all a big ruse, actually, just to get into a WhatsApp group with that group right there, mate. I think you yeah, just, yeah, just did a screen up. grab, but that's just it. I didn't even run the event. I'm making it all up. <laughs> Brilliant. But so that worked really well in terms of that communication, because as you say, you can see that they've read it, but also they respond. I find that everyone responded a lot better to that, actually, mm. than they did to emails. Even if they had read it, they just never responded. There's some statistics out there, and I'd, I'd hate to um, I'd hate to pull them up now. Um, well, I'm going to suggest some, but it might not be super accurate. They're definitely out there. I'll try and find them and put them in show notes. That I think 73, sorry, no, Great number, 93 percent of people will read a, a message, no matter where it's from, even if it's like an unknown number or whatever. You 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 tend to read them straight away. And I think there's also a statistic at that same report that said that you can actually message somebody seven times before they get annoyed where you can only email somebody about three. So in terms of being able to be intrusive, but get the information across and keep in communication, it would suggest that, that messaging apps like WhatsApp are a, a great way to go because you just got direct access to people. And it just, and it seems to be, <clears throat> Because I know we've in, in the group that we're in, people often talk about, and in other groups, I mean, often talk about, should we move to Slack or to Guild or to whatever else? Mm. And then the conversation always arises. And every single time so far, everyone goes, no, I'd rather stick with WhatsApp if that's all right. Yeah. Because it feels like you're not having to do yet another thing. Yeah. So it kind of, it's part of your normal life. Someone's communicating, you, you communicate straight back. And as you say, you know, I'm doing it all the time in lockdown at the moment anyway, because I can't see people. Yeah. So, um, but I think one of the one of the making any kind of virtual pivot for us had to be I didn't want to take a step back. So I started in publishing originally, magazine publishing, yep, you know, before the me. internet existed. Yep. Strong scenes, because I'm that old. Seventy three <laughs> is in fact how old I am. How old you are? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, not really good for your age. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing the filters you can put on now. Um, so, um, but I remember when somebody came up with the idea of page turning magazines and i just exist. sort of sat there <laughs> and, and people still do do them so apologies yeah. if you're i mean good luck with it but apologies if if it sounds like i'm in any way saying that they're crap but they are um and so what happens was you get this thing where someone goes well i've got a magazine and i've now got this digital platform great news i'm just going to take the magazine i'm just going to mm. drop it there yeah. And yeah. and it's it just doesn't and there is no medium that immediately uh, instantly translates into the new one, and so with the physical events, I think physical events you know I maintain and will still maintain that physical events are going to be the lion's share of engagement for events in the future. I firmly believe that it might take time, but I firmly believe it. Yep. 
there is if there's one thing that four and a half months worth of zoom meetings guide meetings teams meetings and everything else has shown me this is not the future it's well, amazing I... that the technology is there and it helps and it gives another thing for us to do but i don't believe you get the same level of engagement that you do with physical speaking to people like you said right at the start this would have been better if we could have sat opposite each other and had a beer yeah i think to your point absolutely because i think what events have done and will now be even more so going forward it will be the premier version of whatever is delivered online mm -hmm. and i think the biggest downfall to online events is that they could potentially go the way of how people interpreted a webinar to be you know webinars were massively used by marketing i think and again remember on statistics 66 percent of marketers use some form of webinars through their career as a way to engage an audience and try and sell to them and to be fair, they've been massively abused as a content marketing strategy. Now, online events can have absolutely got the same path ahead of them. I have no doubt about that. People will abuse positioning an online event as a thinly veiled guise of we're going to just pitch you, um, especially if it's by a corporate company. Now, physical events, people are much more inclined to really keenly detail what it is before they give you the registration and time actually on site so i think i think actually in some ways online events will actually elevate physical events a little bit more into being that premium experience and i think that'll be beneficial um but they're certainly not going to all of a sudden carve out half the industry and it's it's disappeared overnight i don't think that for a second no, and i and I, but I but i do think that there is a place for them i think yeah. there is a place for those i think there'll be a place for hybrid events but it's understanding what those are and then it's also trying to deliver the event mm -hmm. in keeping with what it's good for so you know coming back to we didn't we basically scrapped the rugby show and created the virtual rugby show we even changed the url we checked we would ever everything from scratch in a five-week period and the reason that we did that was because you, you can't offer the same thing you just yeah. can't yep. so um so what we did was we looked at the strengths of virtual and the strengths of it are the audience that i got um in terms of speakers the range of speakers we got was insane i mean it really was honestly i think I think anybody looking at our speaker lineup and then trying to go out to find a similar situation where you would find all of those people on the same program would be looking for a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a physical event, I never could have done it because they're in different parts of the world. In some cases, you know, Clive Woodward did his session from teen in France where he's running a, the kind of like a program for Olympic skiers and, and so on. So he did his piece from there. Um, and we had Brian O'Driscoll obviously was in Ireland and you know, all these different people were all over, but the benefit of virtual was that we only needed an hour of their time. We yeah. didn't need them to travel anywhere. We didn't need them to do anything. We needed an hour of their time. And if they were available, maybe five or 10 minutes for us to be able to do the uh, equipment check and test and, and, and so on. And, and so what that then makes you do or made me do is look at it and say, right, if that's the if that's the basics um, in that case we've got depending on time zones and where they are around the world yep. we've got the entire world of rugby to go for so who are we going for and we ended up with like 14 world cup winners and you know all these different things because we went right the content has to be you know up here i mean we always aim for that 
but in a physical event it's not possible to deliver it like like we've been able to do so we now can so that's what our event's going to hinge on we're going to and then it's and then it comes back to your original premise and the original premise for us was it being about grassroots so therefore what we then did was we went to the grassroots game and we said right we we got some fab, fabulous supporters and ambassadors to help us so as a, a particular shout out has to go out to Sean Phelan from Fill Your Boots Rugby who runs this thing as his own as his own project he's got about 20,000 followers on social media in grassroots rugby and he sets up a player exchange so basically a lot of problems for grassroots clubs is finding players to actually fill the 15 and he set up this thing where people could say well I'm in the area of wherever on holiday I fancy a game and he would connect them to a club and they would play so I got him on board to help us with the grassroots stuff and we did a player panel of grassroots where it was four grassroots players. We got four representatives from clubs on another panel. We talked about fundraising for clubs. We talked about all these different things, but we interlaced them with the big stars. And every single one of those players and every single one of those representatives of their clubs who might be, you know, they might work in, they might work in Greg's, they might work in an accountant's, they might be a policeman, they could be any, you know, any role. But if, they're, if, if, they're, if their surname was Johnson, then their speaker biog and photo was right next to Martin Johnson, double Brian, you know, double British Lions captain and World Cup winner, because I wanted it to be truly all the community together. That's and we also made sure that the panels where we could, we didn't, we didn't for the Lions, obviously, and we didn't for the growth of the women's game, because that was all women, but, but we did for backs and for forwards and for the sevens, we split them so that every panel was half women, half men, yep. and made sure that they were, it was included, it was engaged. We did a skill session, so um, we got Jimmy Gopeth, three-time Golden Boot winner and Premiership Player of the Year, and Wasps, which are the greatest rugby club in the world, as you can tell from my background. <laughs> um, but uh, Jimmy was absolutely fantastic. So he did a kicking session, which he pre-recorded. This was one of the few bits we did pre-record. Um, and and he filmed all of that and people could tune in and then he joined the Q&A and he was giving people all sorts of advice on how to improve their kicking, how to get their weight through the ball better and all these kind. So it wasn't just looking at heroes. Yep. We tried to keep to the original premise of what the what the the concept of the event was, but we used all of the strengths of the new platform. And so we completely changed it in that regard. So it was only really Jimmy, Jimmy's kicking session we did the session on grassroots fundraising and two fitness sessions and everything else was live. That's amazing, mate. Did you, did you see a real high level of engagement rate then with the audience? Because I would imagine that you narrowed the gap almost quite well, substantially in order the accessibility of me as a normal punter who wants to ask my idol or that, that great sportsman that I, I look up to my questions and through maybe hopping and the technology that that gap was really narrowed down. Whereas a live event, there's still the element of even if somebody's in the audience, do they stick their hand up and ask that question? Do they put themselves out there? It's, it's very difficult for a lot of people that isn't it? Do you, do you, do you think the technology helped to narrow the gap? Did it help improve engagement? Did you see lots of questioning come through? What did that look we like? had huge amounts so the chat was rife <laughs> throughout <laughs> i mean um throughout the the whole two and a half days uh, as was there was a lot of banter it was some strong yeah. <laughs> there was some strong sentiment and a lot of a lot, a lot of back and forth which was really great but there was also a lot of engagement about the actual game the future mm -hmm. of the game all these different things 
Um, one thing I would say was within the platform, normally you can you can select because it's originally, I guess, created more for B2B. So, so you can select all the delegates and you can see everyone that's there. But if you're a speaker, you also have to be a delegate. So we switched that off because um, in for a B2C thing where there are so many idols of the game, if Sam Warburton comes on and is suddenly inundated with every Welsh fan going, can you give me a shout out to Blubber? Because they can see them and they can private message them. Yeah. We made the decision to to switch that bit off but in terms of chat everybody could chat throughout and we got a lot of engagement and questions and interestingly enough actually we um we monitored the questions in the chat and whoever was hosting had them simple again had their mobile phone on and we posted all the questions in whatsapp and they read them and, and answered them that way so that we could um, and we didn't filter any because there weren't any kind of really, we would have done if it was objectionable, sure. you know, some people take the whole banter. There's a lot of things that get excused as banter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't have allowed that, but we didn't have anything like that at all. And, um, and it was really simple because, you know, if you're on the last night, we had Chris Robshaw, former captain of England, captain of Harlequins, and it was his first big interview talking about moving to America. And we got Ugo Monier, um interviewed him. And so Ugo was getting all the questions through and from the crowd and, and everyone was able to. So he wasn't having to think about lots of different things going on on the screen. It just made the chat flow. And, and despite the excitement and stress and near heart attack of everything being live and, and some of the things that were a bit more squeaky, which I'm happy to tell you about, but, but actually for me, it felt much more like the buzz you get of a physical event because it was live. Yep. I know a lot of people pre-record and then do live Q and A or yep. just pre-record in full. Um, I think if, if you can stand the stress of it, I would really heartily recommend, I mean, you need proper support and silver. I wouldn't have, I, I think it would have been a very different experience if we had not had Silverstream in the background, but if you've got proper support from people that really know what they're doing and if you're engaged with your market and also have the confidence to do it yourself um actually i would do it live every time yeah every time if you can because the, because people sense the difference the people in the audience can tell you can see when something's pre-recorded the energy isn't quite the same people also know that they're being pre-recorded so that they can stop and redo a bit or do whatever I, do, I, I just, it, you could feel it much more because yeah. a trip of the tongue or whatever was still a trip of the tongue and there. And I think in your, in your environment, with it being people of notoriety as well, like somebody as, asking a question and then seeing that relayed there and then is, is very much um, going to build up the engagement and the emphasis on, on it and it being right there in the moment isn't it rather than having to submit your question before and then it get like we get to it at that point and then you kind of like when's my question getting answered and all that kind of stuff so yeah no so that was that was really good and 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 it was and it was exciting i mean one of one of our bump one of our bumps in the roads so we had a we had a couple of significant bumps in the road neither of which you know you can prepare for and neither mm -hmm. of which were were anyone's fault but um so dc sorry i'm gonna say dc danny care um unfortunately pulled a slipped a disc and he was due to do two sessions he was hosting 
the uh, Need for Speed session for Sevens and also the back session. But he slipped a disc, had to go to hospital, had to have, you know, anyway, he couldn't do it. And it was really short notice that he couldn't do it. So yeah. we had to try within a very short period of time and bless him. He was so gutted not to be part of it and was so helpful in trying to help us. But he, um, he, he was therefore out of the picture and we had to find uh, replacements for both sessions really, really quickly. And, and that is when you're doing it all live I and, mean, you know, if it had been pre-recorded, that never would have happened. Yeah. So, um, and we were fortunate that other people stepped in really easily and we were able to, through the contacts we had and the people that were already on the panels, we were able to, to, to replace. On a good was, point, that was exciting. I said on a good point though, I've had the experience where I've had somebody fly to come to my event from Europe just to see one speaker and that speaker didn't make it that day. Now, at least none of your audience had to yeah. fly anywhere or do anything. So that that's kind of a benefit to doing it online that you can pull people in and out and other than them not being able to see that one particular person, at least they've not gone to any other great lengths to, to make that happen or, or cost themselves more money. So I guess that's kind and of- there's a forgiveness the too, I think, because yeah. people, because despite the fact that everyone's been inundated with free content of, you know, where mm -hmm. we can basically be set watching webinars, um, virtual events and everything else 24 seven. Um, but there's also a, a, an understanding that it's new and that people yeah. are doing new things. So, so one of the things I would, would absolutely recommend uh, apart from getting a proper production support and obviously I'd recommend Silverstream, but is to, um, is to think about, the length of time you're engaging people for, what your expectations are, and what you do to fill the gaps in between. So, um, so it feels like there's something integral and exciting about it. You've got to create. You know, I always say for live events, you have to start creating the excitement about your physical event from the first email or message that someone receives. Yeah. So the design, the brand has to run through all that process right the way, and 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 then be made. Um, made, made real at the physical event so that look so the look and feel of how we had the screen you know on when we're, we're on a zoom call like this for example it's just blank some people have those you know kind of virtual backgrounds and we've yep. developed some and stuff where half my head disappears because it doesn't like bald people <laughs> and, and all that sort of stuff and then my children walk up during a meeting and then suddenly this hand comes up like that. so so you know I think it's for me those things are still a little bit like PowerPoint, where just because yeah. you can make the transition doesn't mean you should. Um, whereas, but for but for having something that really works and engages, so so we we um, put a lot of work into the the physical links and and segues in between sessions to make it look really really great. Um, once again, Silverstream were brilliant with that. So everybody was sat effectively on a rugby stadium that was lit up at night, and the pitch was there and the people were there and, and just those transitions actually nice. make a big difference Yeah, because it just keeps the human mind, you know, our brains and our attention span require changes to keep us engaged and enthused. So one of the other things we did was I wanted to link it a little bit like um, when they do, uh, when they did the big, big night in for children in need and, yep. um, and red nose day. In between they effectively did like adverts small videos all together and that's what we did we created two minute slot or three minute slot videos which we ran a series of for sponsors partners and, and the charity so in between each session where you might have 
30 minutes break before the next session. Some ran over and there was five minutes, some were an hour. And in each one of them, depending on what stage you're on, we would have all these things running through, which made really engaging content, made sure that they didn't run too often. And in the most part, we were able to get them from the people that we were working with, where it didn't cost us anything. It wasn't a, an additional fee. Most people had their own little bits. Yeah. And if it wasn't, we could segment things that they did have to make them work. But it, it just became a new format where it was high production quality and Jim Hamilton's off traveling the world talking about the barbarians or talking about this, that, and the other, the RFU supplied one. And all of those different things make for it. It's all like, like a palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. So before I've got more talking heads on screen, I've now got this again with music and everything else. And then I'm right. Okay. I'm ready to go for the next one. That's a really good way of putting it. Palate cleanser. I think, yeah, rather than doing stuff back to back, have that, revival moment isn't it so pump some energy into the room for people well, like say, virtual events want dwell time just like we want in physical ones don't they but yeah. it's dwell time works in a different way it's it's the sheer volume of energy and i can't take any more yeah you know yeah. and then it's also about your content you know it's it's a very different way of doing content for a physical event because if you're in the physical show and you've got say three four theaters running stuff back to back to back doesn't really matter as long as they're not conflicting yeah so so people can choose to walk over there or to walk over there or to walk over there or they can go and have a coffee or they can walk around the show and still be in whereas with what we're doing we're asking them really to bear with join us at nine in the morning and still be there at eight o'clock at night well no one's <laughs> gonna do that no one's gonna do that yeah yeah, yeah unless yeah. they have literally died in the chair <laughs> no one's found them yet. Um, so what would you change what would you do differently then you, I'm, I'm sure this is not going to be a single moment in time and that's it it's, it's done for 2020 clearly this is I'm, I'm hoping so that you're going to do it again in, in 2021 um what would you do differently do you think after you now that you've had the experience of delivering this the the first and first time yeah um I think there was I mean we had a mountain of notes so um we just had a mountain of notes at the end <laughs> Of, is it I like mean, all when, those event debrief notes that never see the yeah. light of day though <laughs> well no no because we've had to we've put them in we've put them in practice now because we are doing other we're looking at other virtual events so we're trying to learn and create a playbook okay so that at some point i really can put virtual events experts <laughs> um but um no so you, one of the big things well certainly i'd give myself a bit more time mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm trying to do something from scratch without a web but we built you know I mean, fair play to, to Dante, our creative director, who built the entire website from scratch. I basically said, right, let's get new, we, we talked about it, we got a new URL. I sent him the DNS over for the new URL and said, can you make a website? And then four days later, it was done. That's and um, and he did the whole thing from scratch and we got the whole content from scratch. Everything was done from scratch. So, you know, whilst that was amazing and inspirational and, you know, the movie rights are for sale if anyone wants them, but, um, but it, I it put quite a strain on the team, I won't lie. Yeah. Um, so, so definitely you want to give yourself a decent length of time, but don't be put off. I guess what I would say is don't be put off by a short window. If you've got, mm. if you've got the ability to deliver it and you are confident in delivering the content and you've got a base and you think it can really work, we've proven that with two and a half weeks notice, if, if, you know, if you're determined enough, you can actually deliver it. But as I say, I would give yourself more time because obviously more time is always better. So we are planning for running both physical and virtual next year. Yep. Cool. So we're going to run them both still. 
Um, and so that was one thing. Another thing was what we learned as we went through, which was things like the actually pick the tool for virtual where people are going to communicate with you and yeah. actively do so. So not, and I'm not just talking marketing here. I'm talking about the, 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 the life and death of a virtual event is the content you put on within it. You know, an exhibition, we've all been to exhibitions, mainly in Germany, but we've all been to exhibitions where I don't care about the content. Here's 18,000 square meter stand followed by another 18,000 square meter stand. Yeah. And we'll be here for the next three weeks. Hope you can join us. So, so not, you know, it's not content for a lot of particularly B2B events in, in physical events. A lot of that content is, is, is obviously hugely important but it's hugely important to attract visitors. It's not the whole purpose of it being. Yeah. Whereas for a virtual event, you know, it really is. I'm, you know, they're only coming for the content and then the ancillary benefit to exhibitors is you've got all these people here and will they engage with you? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing. And that the housekeeping, we thought we'd been so thorough in a short period of time again, but with housekeeping, and what we discovered was that despite having written reams of information, which if you followed all of it, you couldn't possibly go wrong. Um, all that anyone actually read was your session time is here. We will send you out a link an hour before, and this is what you're going to do. And they didn't read anything else. So, so the WhatsApp thing really then helped us get through that. And we only really created it about three days before the event. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine um, people can be quite dismissive of all that important information because they've got the bit that in their head that's all that they need to know isn't it which is like say, yeah. their session time and stuff yeah so it's things like you know you know and and you, you then get great as you say great characters of the game our headliner on the friday night was joe marler okay who uh, is just one of my favorite people in rugby is just hilariously you know everything that can go wrong Joe can cause you to feel is about to happen. But he was a hugely popular session, really, really popular. So there was the bits right at the start where he pretended that he'd frozen. He pretended he couldn't hear the person interviewing him. He then pretended that his wife had left him at the start of lockdown when the interviewer said to him, how's your wife? Um, it was just, we were, we were, I've actually got a photo of my ops director, um, Ed, because so, I only employ Ed's. And he was at the other side, he was literally like this <laughs> on the other side of the thing. And I'm cracking up. That's brilliant. But he was literally just head in his hands. And so, you know, you get those kinds of moments, um, which you wouldn't get if it was pre-recorded. So yeah, 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 yeah. those things are like real gold. Um, and even things like the one that went, the one that went the most wrong really um, was we had Phil Vickery, who obviously captained the Lions, captained, England when we lost the World Cup final in 2007, won the World Cup in 2003, and then as uh, obviously most importantly won Celebrity Mastership. Yep. Most and important. so and so he's very passionate about food, and so he said it's lunchtime. We're going to get him to do a cooking session, and so he agreed to do it. So he did this whole cooking thing. He did two sessions where he cooked these amazing meals and talked you through it. But because of the complexity of it, we were going to have to pre-record it. Yep. So we pre-recorded both sessions. And then I was trying to get hold of him on the morning and with about 30 minutes to go, having tried absolutely everything, he couldn't upload the videos. The technology can work. Silverstream tried everything. I tried everything. Oh, no. Everyone was going back and forth. And, um, 
and it just and it just wasn't it just wasn't happening for us at all so about 10 minutes beforehand i think this is going to be a cup of tea inter in interrupting the the interview there thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks hey listen Cheers. it's 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 live now. well it's not live it's pre-recorded but we'll leave that it makes bit it in. feel more live now it's yeah absolutely yeah but yeah so with about 10 yeah we ended up with about 15 20 minutes to go it was i was on the phone to him saying right we've got an idea i've spoken with silver stream as to what we can do and you know and what we're going to do is i'm going to interview you for 45 minutes live and you're going to cook whatever is ever in your fridge and so so twofold things so one was he was he was going yeah, right, mate, that sounds good. And I was thinking to myself, I've never interviewed anyone in my life. I'm not a TV <laughs> presenter. Oh, my word. But stay calm. Look, look, look effortless. Just chill, chill. So, so he said, well, okay, I've got a loaf of sourdough that's just about to um, be ready in the oven because I was making that for the family anyway. Yeah. So I could prepare some sourdough now to show you how to do it, then bring a loaf out, and then I've got a bit of steak and some peppers and onion. I'll make a steak sandwich, and then we'll just chat. I said, brilliant. brilliant, let's do that then. And that's what we did. And we did it for 45 minutes. And it was brilliant. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. He was talking all about his love of food, where it came from, but he was talking about how he started in rugby and viewed rugby club. And he can still name the first captain or the captain of the 15 he was in when he was 13 years old. And he's still friends with. Now, all of those people he started off with have never done anything like what he's done. But he was talking about the community and yeah, it fitted yeah. so perfectly with the whole ethos of what we're trying to do, you know, and he was absolutely brilliant. And, and so, you know, those bumps in the road, actually, I think that content, once again, because it was live and genuine, yeah. was probably far better than the stuff he'd pre-recorded. It's interesting, isn't it? You think that the pre-record is going to be the smooth way to go, and then actually it becomes the technical hitch by the sounds of it, of the event. But I think this is where, and this for me will be the difference between professional online virtual hybrid events from companies like yourself who have that experience and the ability and, and, and I suppose the, the guts to go and do something right at that moment in time. Like I can imagine lots of companies who might use online and virtual events to promote something. If that was them, they would have just had to cancel it. It, it wouldn't it, that sec, that segment wouldn't have happened because yeah. they wouldn't have had the, I suppose, the ability or the experience to kind of go. No, we're just going to do this and we're going to make it work and it's going to be fantastic. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I think that's what's, where what's the worst that can happen. It could burn yeah, the stick. You could overcook it. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you sort of go through these things and 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 you do learn from it and it helps you and 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 it. It just it re-emphasised the live thing, and and I I just think that actually the bits that we can make things too slick, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it I think if things get too slick, both in physical and I'm not saying be unprofessional, it's not slick and professional are not mutually ex you know uh, you know you have to have both. I, I think that those bumps in the road, those people moments. The genuine moments are the things that make events because otherwise you could be anywhere doing anything but the memories from physical events that people get the engagement that they get the 
the joke that happened that no one was expecting to happen because he fed off the crowd or she fed off the crowd at the yeah. time. Yeah. All those kinds of things are what make for a memorable event. It's those little, you know, Kodak moments, as they used to call them, I guess, that, that kind of all build up to making something special. And if everything is just, and now we're going to do this and it's this and it's this and, you know, and it sounds like somebody that's normally doing announcements for, you know, cinemas and stuff, doing voiceovers in the foyer now and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it might feel really impressive that you've managed to do all these things, but it's also dehumanized it. And if there's one thing at the moment, I think that people are missing, it's a connection. It's the human connection. We are designed to connect with each other. That's what, that's what we're about relationships and chat and talking and that's why lockdown has been so hard for so many people yeah 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 so i think you can't forget that in your planning and i think my everybody keeps asking me like virtual events they're gonna you know exhibitions and live events nobody's gonna go to them anymore that i'm, I'm getting so many I suppose tabloid and, and outside industry people ask me those questions and and try and make points about that happening because all of a sudden this technology is in place and my example to them is the total opposite of how these online communities through gaming through esports and all that kind of stuff all of a sudden are creating these physical events on scale to connect those people up because even though somebody might have only ever engaged with somebody else digitally and, and not even seeing them face to face like this it's through a computer game there's still that desire inbuilt into everybody to meet up and connect. And that's the that's the serendipity that make, makes events just so great is, is you know, they, they're emotive, aren't they? They, take, they go away with them having a feeling about something. And then when you, you know, if we talk about brand equity and, and, and people buying into something, then if you're a company and you want to put yourself in that and align with that, that's the best way for, for people to feel good about you um so yeah i think i think i agree with you virtual events hybrid events will have their place i think as again as professional organizers we'll use them as a a marketing tool an inclusivity tool to be able to connect people up that just for whatever reason can't physically make it to our event maybe that's regionally you know ill health yep. whatever um but it will never be for me the replacement it will only be a tool that we layer on yeah. top it's um, another channel, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's another channel. And like every channel that's gone before it, there's upset at the start and everyone goes, oh my goodness me, this is the end of whatever. You know, there's still plenty of print, print magazines out there. You know, when the internet, commercial internet first came out, everyone was, that's that then. That's the end of magazines. Everyone will be, you know, and Google Glass and all this sort of stuff. And that's how everyone will be doing everything. But it's not the case. It's just, it finds its natural level. And people want to you know from a just purely business perspective businesses want to engage with audiences and they have to engage with them in order to sell their product and to sell their product and engage with them they have to engage with them in the way that the audience wants to be engaged with so mm -hmm. some of that will be physical events some of that will be virtual events some you know because there is an opportunity for for virtual if you if you've got if, you, if you're a company that normally has to do you know as they have their client meetings and we do 50 of them, 50 people here, 50 people here and 50 people there and it's across Europe and you can do one really cool integrated virtual event and get everyone involved that way and do all the markets together and then pitch that as a, and you can now network with your peers in other countries, then suddenly that, that's got something, that's got some potential. Yeah. Because it's, you know, from the business perspective, we don't have to run 20 events or whatever. 
but it doesn't stop them from still needing to go to the big industry trade show where 50,000 or 5,000 or whatever the market size is that people attend. Yeah. It's you do stuff that's fit for purpose and you use it for what it's good at. Yeah. And then that's where the opportunity is. You can't see everything as a threat. Otherwise, we'd never leave the house. Not that we're allowed to. Well, let's be honest about it, mate. Our job is to keep people safe. And sometimes for certain people, that's a challenge because they're suicidal or they're out to kill themselves. I I had once had a guy decide to stand on a trestle table on a stage and fall off and break his nose at an event. You know, some people are inclined. It's it's our job to keep people safe. But on the face of it, if there was ever a career that you would steer clear of because of risk, it would be events, right? Because you're dealing with people and you can't really control people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it will be a funnel. It will be a way for us to leverage more marketing, publish more, support the sector, the niche that we're working in further with content. And, and I think, you know, what I'm taking away from this is just because you had something set in stone does not mean that you have to replicate that to support your your community or to make a success of it. it. Actually, it's very apparent that you took the opportunity to think massively outside of the box with the theme and go, how can we make this a really, really good thing? Um, you've got bigger balls than me, mate, because I wouldn't go 95% live. I really wouldn't. Well, I'm six foot eight, so I guess <laughs> I, in order to be in proportion, mate, I've got to... I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely um, definitely going. But again, it proves that it can be done. You know, it, it proves that what happens, which is a live event, can happen live online um, with some very great partners and obviously a clearly talented talented team as well. Yeah, no, the, um, team, the team were phenomenal. The team were phenomenal. Mate, I appreciate you've got probably a million and one things in your diary, not, namely probably the local pub. I can, I can hear that calling already. <laughs> um, I'd love to have you back on a, a, another point, maybe after your next hybrid event and how that compared in, in terms of that. And I know you're working with some of your, because you're also an agency working with some of your yep. customers at the moment to kind of deliver that. So I'd, I'd love to hear your musings and reflection once you've had that experience as well. Back to it. Yeah, I'd be very happy to for anybody that wants to connect up with you that's not already connected to you, where's the best place to find you? Is it a LinkedIn? Is it an Instagram? Um, so the best way to find uh, me, I guess, um, just Ed Tranter on, in, on LinkedIn. Um, then on, um, you can just go to our website, which is 73media.com. Sadly, all words, because the one with the numbers had already gone. <laughs> but I was determined to stick with the company name by that stage. I've got a logo I liked. Um, so 73media.com and um, and you can you can get hold of me that's got my email and my contact details on always happy to chat as you say I mean we we are as well as being an organizer in our own right we also operate as an event agency so we deliver all of these kinds of things for clients across multiple markets any size anywhere around the world so um, whether it's physical and now virtual um, or indeed hybrid there are all manner of things that we can do so always happy to talk to people any type of event any type um anybody that's listening or watched today if you've liked what you've heard if you like what you see through ed please give this podcast a like a share and 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 kind of help the content get out there um i'm quite proud to say that i've just had my podcasting company my host say that we've um passed fifty thousand listeners um, of the event industry news podcast globally since we launched it a couple of years ago so um definitely um room to grow i think in terms of the the, the sector out there um ed thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it and no i problem, will mate. definitely Great invite you back here. for another one cheers speak to you soon cheers mate